Hi, I'm Luke Heisler. And I'm Jay Cox. Welcome to this week's episode of Audibility Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the importance of community in life and to explore different ideas and topics within culture with our new friends, you guys. Carpenter ants, on the other hand. (laughs) Just just let me talk about the etymology of authority. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Jay. And they can cut some some wood. Jesus was a carpenter. See, I just brought it back. (laughs) (laughs) We've been given the power to go share the gospel. Why don't we approach life differently knowing that we have this authority given to us by Christ. I think he shows that he trusts us, first of all, and then further down the line in the narrative of the Bible, I think it shows that he trusts us specifically with spreading the gospel. Mm. Um, and that that is, that is the ultimate authority that we're delegated. You're slurping too flat. You're like, <laughs> it's like a tilt and a. And hey, hey, wait. Luke. Shh, hold on. I can't do it. Let's oh, just okay. move on. Hey, Luke. Hey, Jay. Can we keep that? <laughs> oh, welcome to Audibility. Welcome to. We have to start over. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Ready? Hey, Luke. Hey, Jay. Welcome to Audibility. Welcome. How are you this week? I'm very good. That's um, that's pretty good. It's not this week for us though. It's we've time jumped today, to yesterday, last week, two weeks ago. Some, Three? Who knows? Who Where? knows? Actually, this will be like a month. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also last week. So, uh, like welcome, we welcome back. W- welcome. Uh, so we still have in the story studio Meredith Bird. Hello. And Ian Morell. Hey. Again, we <laughs> hey. have them again. Again now. Yeah, it's wow. weird. Wow, they've been on the podcast the this most <laughs> times. <laughs> they've been on the podcast for full two weeks. Wow. Um, so, combined four weeks. anything you would like to say to future you? Hey, don't don't drink that one cup of coffee at on the spring break trip. Don't do it. That's what I have to say. This will be after spring break. Crap. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so nerve-wracking. Okay, let's get started. So, same disclaimer from last week. Um... These are just, this is just our conversation, um, our opinions, things that we've gathered from our own experience. So if you disagree with something that we're saying, do talk to us because this is the quality of being heard. You're hearing what we think. You might disagree. And we want really angry emails. Yes. Yeah. And we want to hear what you think as well. Yeah. Just email Luke Heisler and give him all your complaints. Now, hold on. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> you were supposed to go right into talking from there. Oh, was I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold well, on. Let's try that bit again. Okay. Uh, email Luke Heisler. No, wait. Hold okay. on. Now, wait a minute. Stop <laughs> it's it. It's not working. Okay. <laughs> so, we left off last week with the question, What did, what is God's authority actually? Like, we kind of danced around it a little bit. Last week, we talked about um, earthly authority. So, if you haven't listened to that one, I would highly recommend you go back and listen. Yeah. Um, it'll be very helpful to the continuity of this episode. Part two. This part two. So um, go back and listen to that. But we talked about – Ian, give us a synopsis. I don't want it to be the one that talked. We talked about 
family mostly. Uh, we a talked about, about we talked a lot about family and about how we view our parents and how um, how that's changed since we come to college. What a good view of our parents is. Um, what it means to honor. We talked a lot about that because um, it's diff- we talked about how it's different than obedience. Um, we also talked about governmental authority. Kind of just touched on it. Yeah. Um, how people view authority. Um, the disrespect and the rebellion against authority, why we rebel. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then the, the tension between loyalty and subversion. Mm, yes. At the Bible Project, I guess. Yeah, at. we love them. Maybe they'll shout episode. us out. Can we get a shout out from the uh, Bible please, Project? Please, I need Tim this. and John. Tim and John. Please. Tim and John, sponsor I, us. <laughs> I need this. Um, and they sponsor us in the last episode. Oh, darn. No, we have to stop. <laughs> we can splice it in. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, when y'all hear the term God's authority, what do you think of at Meredith Bird? Oh, no. <laughs> um, this is probably really bad and probably the reason we need to reshape our view of authority. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I see a courtroom and I see God sitting in the judge's spot at like, I was about to say D-Day. Nope. Judgment, <laughs> <laughs> Judgment Day. Um, but I see I see very much um, God in the picture of the earthly authority that I know, um, which is mm-hmm. not right. And that's what, why we kind of started talking about this is to reshape that view and knowing that we aren't supposed to shove God into the box of our earthly authority because our earthly authority is – very, very messed up. Um, but when I think of that, I think like, okay, I know by his authority I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to not do this and I'm like this is good and this is bad, um, which is, yeah, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but not completely what it should be, I think, um, which is obviously why we're talking about this. So. Yeah. What about you, Jan? Jan? What do I think about God's authority? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think of I think of kingship. Sorry, I think of like God's sovereignty. Um, sovereignty. 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 There you go. No. Whatever. Say your word, Ian. Sovereignty. Okay. Um, I definitely think of him as. How do I say it? I don't know. Uh, sovereign overall, like he's wow. in control. Creative. Yeah, I don't know another way to say that. Yeah. I think when I hear the term authority along with God, there's a lot of negative, I feel like. Not for me personally, but it, it, for like within the, the cultural subconscious, okay. there's a lot. Of, just making up stuff at this point, honestly. <laughs> Speak, oh guest. I think um, kind of going along with – this might be jumping ahead, so if it is, stop me. Um, kind of going along with what Ian said of thinking of God as – king and sovereign um in class the other day we were talking about um like the authority of god and we were talking about what like give characteristics of god and um beloved dr wyma shout out to her her. (laughs) was talking about she either read an article or just maybe just because she's so so brilliant um she studied this but a lot of people will describe god as sovereign omnipotent omniscient, um, powerful king, and they don't say father, Mm. gracious, um, shepherd, 
which those are authoritative too, but in a different way. Yeah, yeah Shep- um, Shepherd is very authoritative in a, in a very loving, caring way. Yeah, and, and so I think we were- gets glossed over. Yeah, um, so in God's authority, I think a lot of times we do look at it as so like mighty, powerful, overbearing king, and we are his subjects. Um, and we don't look at his authority. Well, yes, in a, in a way that's that has a place, but we don't look at his authority as something that um, is good for us, something that guides us and um, sets us up for our success and holds our hand through it. Um, yeah, it's almost like through hundreds and hundreds of years of shaping, God's benevolence has kind of become something that's easily swept under the rug. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Good job. <laughs> so one, I think we need to talk about talking about today. authority. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all Luke contributed. Wow. Um, so, anywho, uh, what a job! Dang. That was a joke, guys. I, I know, love you. I know. Whatever. Um, no, it's fine. But in talking about authority, especially God's authority, I just want to geek out about words for a moment. Okay. Um, and. The etymology of authority. <laughs> Don't you mean um, the entomology? Entomology is the study of birds. Don't you mean her- bugs? Herpetology? Bugs, whatever it is. Herbology? Phrenology? Herb chambers. <laughs> okay. Phenomology? Are you talking about phenomology? Oh, secret garden. Just let me see. Hand <laughs> <laughs> of Green Gables. Did you get that from Green? Yeah. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are so giddy right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, be giddy. I, I want to talk about... The etymology of authority. Entomology, okay. got it. It's etymology. <laughs> okay, go. The okay. Ins- the, we're going to talk about the insects that hold authority in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Definitely the tarantula. The praying mantis? I would have an insect. Praying mantis is not probably the most spiritual because, you know, they pray, pray all the time. <laughs> what about those? Uh, the f- uh, Why? What is happening? Hold on. I, I just have to acknowledge I know that the tarantula is not an insect. I just. It's an arachnid. I know. I was too caught up in the moment. I was too caught up in the joke. I'm so sorry, guys. I failed you. Just let, me t- just let me talk about it. <laughs> Cockroaches were the devil's insects. Carpenter ants, on the other hand. <laughs> just, just let me talk about the etymology of authority. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Jay. Man, they can cut some, <laughs> cut some wood. Jesus was a carpenter. See? I just brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> Lightheaded. Okay, so the etymology of authority. <laughs> so when I hear uh, the term authority, I think of author, authorship. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing um, that I think with God's authority specifically, we have to think about is that the author of the world, this, the story of history, his story. Uh, oh. No way. That's such a private school thing. (laughs) Yeah, I stole that from Luke for sure. Um, Is that the author has total and complete authority over all the characters in his play, his book, whatever you want to talk about. Um, So I think with God, God, as much as we don't like saying it, um, God has complete and total authority, sovereignty, um, as Ian likes to call it. over all of our lives. So, what do y'all think about that? Continue speaking. <coughs> I'm trying to find the Shakespeare quote about what you're talking about. Um, mm. He says at one Imagine point, if I just, like, rattled it off. <laughs> you would. 
I would. Yeah. Shakespeare's a good man. I mean, I think ultimately there is the the fact that it is finished, that the book is already written, that the ending is already decided. But regarding individual lives or just our culture, I think um, that kind of plays into our need for control. And there's this there's this romantic there's this romanticized ideal of I'm gonna make a beautiful life for myself, um, or I'm gonna I'm gonna have such a grand story of whether it's I want to be remembered or I want to make my footprint or I just want to have this incredible. Um, and I think I read somewhere the other day it's not that we are making a life, but that we are just um, keeping alive the one we've been given. Yeah, mm. and <clears throat> and kind of elevating yourself to that level of I'm going to give myself this and whatever yeah um, robs God of all of like what he can do and it's the life that we've been given is the one he's given us yeah the, the one that he's authoring whether you want to recognize it or not it just minimizes blessings mm-hmm. and his power in that and his power to determine um, what your story looks like yeah I found the quote I don't know if it's exactly what Shakespeare is uh, talking about when he says it, but it plays along really well. Uh, he says, "All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and the en- and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts." Mm. Um, yeah, and it kind of ties in the idea of like God and making the world the way that He did is writing like the grand storyline. You can even bring in like the fact that the tropes of the gospel can be found in every world storyline. Like, mm, yeah, we talked about the Odyssey a tiny, tiny bit in the last episode about how they're authoritative figures. But the story of the Odyssey is literally just the gospel. Like, yeah. it's beautiful to see that these tropes that God is writing into humanity are true throughout humanity. Mm. Also, a lot of people kind of push this aside because it's gained negative connotation in kind of the intellectual world. But the Bible is a story. Right. Yeah. From front to like from it, beginning it, to it end, it is literature. It yeah. is, and it and it it carries themes throughout it, and it has symbolism, and it has metaphors, and it has allegories. Hello, but <laughs> like that's forgotten a lot of the time. And I know even growing up in a private school, talking about the Bible with that verbiage, like you know, the Bible is a story, and it can be analyzed like this, and and just like any other book, that held such a negative connotation. Um, and I love the school I grew up in, but I just never really thought of that until really my senior year um, when my English teacher had us analyzing the Bible from a literary standpoint. And it's really cool. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think I think it's just a beautiful thing to think about God as an author. Um, and another cool thing, I think, going along with um, – but both of you said similar things, but um, when I think it's so cool that in the storyline of the Bible, God like gives himself different names. Mm-hmm. And so I think, especially in Genesis 2, and we're going to get to, you best believe we're getting to Genesis 1, oh, no. 2, and 3 here in a minute, but um, in that story, he, God names Adam and Adam, um, and then Adam names the animals, and then in the storyline of the rest of the Bible, God names Himself. So when you name, <coughs> when you're naming something, you're giving, you're saying that you have authority over that thing. That's why 
parents name their children and children don't just come up with their names eventually. Mm. You said earlier, you said the author has authority over the characters that they choose. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I just really wanted that in there. <laughs> no, I, I, said a good that. Line. I know you did. Yeah, I did. I said it way earlier, dog. This is about to get real awkward when we go listen <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this idea, like, throughout, interwoven throughout the whole storyline of the Bible, it ha- gives these little, like. Inter- interwived. Interwived? Yes. <laughs> interwived into the whole storyline of the Bible. Um, like, this naming thing. I think that's really cool to show, like, a little facet of. God's authority. Yeah. Tone. So, moving on, let's go to Genesis 1, shall we? And just geek out about God's authority. Speak, O sage. In Genesis 1, um, his name is God or Elohim, yes. which is creator. Yes. Well, and then, well just God. It's, God. It's just God. God. Yeah. Um, but then in Genesis 2 is when he names himself Lord God and Yahweh. 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 Um, which... Yeah. Signifies the relationship. And I think we were going to talk about not contrasting those sides of God because God is one and he doesn't contradict himself. Um, but to just kind of look at the side of creator and king versus father, shepherd, mm. um, the the power versus the relationship, which go hand in hand and are one and the same. Huh. Um, but to talk about the two sides of the authority. Um, so I think in Genesis 1, just kind of a picture of God's authority. So, like, the the one of the themes that the whoever wrote Genesis, who's obviously inspired by God, because Genesis is wild and awesome. Um, wild and but one of the things that they're trying to make through the way that they choose words and how that uh, it's structured is that God is king. So, in ancient Near Eastern world, it would have been very much a king when the king said, "Hey, go do this, please." It wasn't like he said, please, like, you immediately went and did it. So God, his word has power and to have authority over all creation. So it just, he speaks and it immediately happens. So Right, yeah. And the, the, the author of Genesis is actually, he's going out of his way to show, like, how powerful God, their God, like the Israelite God is in relation to the other ancient Near Eastern cultures. This is really nerdy uh, stuff. Are you going to talk about Job? No, okay. I wasn't going to talk about Job, but that's a good point as well. Um, <laughs> but so you have the one part in, in the narrative where it says that he, when he creates the sea creatures. Uh-oh. Um, and this is really cool. I just learned this recently. Um, and so then, then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind and God saw that it was good. Which is like, yeah, cool. Which I didn't think anything of. Dope, dope, dope. (laughs) Until I read a commentary about this and he's talking about how when it says that God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. So what they're actually, they're going out of their way to say the great sea monsters, which was like automatically something's going on there. So what's actually happening here is these other Near Eastern cultures have this view of God that to create the ocean, they had to wrestle a sea monster and defeat the sea monster. And then after they defeated the sea monster, the oceans were tamed. Um, So what the author of Genesis is saying is, nope, our God just made the sea monster. 
that your gods have to wrestle with. So he's mm. like slapping them in the face with like, Straight our up. God is just so much cooler than yours. So authoritative <laughs> that he makes the monsters that your gods have to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just with all of Genesis, it's like that. <coughs> and just ornately like going out of their way to be like, God is the ultimate authority. I yeah. mean, look at, I'm pretty sure this, by this point, is common knowledge. I didn't learn it till late in high school, but every plague he sends on the Egyptians is a slap in the face to an mm-hmm. Egyptian god. Yeah, facts. Like, he really could have done anything. He's just like, mm. Hey, Ra, you're not, you're not it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, every, everything um, mm-hmm. is, is pointed in specific and not by accident. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think with... Luke wanted to talk about the names of God. And I think it's very interesting to think about that because I mentioned earlier that, like, God... So in other cultures, cultures would name their gods. Like, you would find, quote-unquote, a god, and you would give them a name. But in the Jewish-Christian narrative, God is the only one that... He reveals his names to the people. Yeah. So it's not like... When you're, like I said earlier, when you name something, you are putting yourself in authority over that. You're saying, oh, this is what this is by nature and kind of pu- pushing mm-hmm. the, the name me below. Um, whereas God's like, hey, so y- you can't name me because I'm the ultimate authority. I'm going to show you what my names are and y'all are just going to have to deal, you know, just do that. So I think like El Shaddai and speak real quick can we all say our favorite name of god oh man <coughs> oh that's hard there's so many good ones and i love them all so much they're all in meredith's bible in pink yes well every place so far that i've been through that there's a new name of god i underlined it and then i have one of those nice bibles with the little wide margins where you can put notes flex and, on us why yeah. don't you <laughs> i got it for christmas thanks mom and dad um <laughs> my favorite okay personally my favorite is elroy really um, Oh my gosh! Are you serious? <laughs> um, um, in the story of Hagar. Yeah, that's good. Just because, um, growing up, literally never learned her name. It was just oh, slave girl that, or not slave girl. Really. But, but slave girl that had Ishmael, and yeah, she sucks. They suck. They ruined it, and then they moved on to how? Oh, look how great Isaac is. Um, and then growing up, in a really, really hmm. rough time, I I read the story for myself, and I was like, oh wow, the Lord. Pursued, pursued the slave girl and then named himself, revealed the name. Huh. I am the God who sees. Um, and she named the well like something, Roy, Ruay. I don't know. It's a very long Hebrew name. <laughs> I don't know, but that's my favorite name of God. Different so. word. That's a different word. Okay, your turn. <laughs> Go, Ian. Me? Oh. I was just scrolling through um, it's my favorite psalm, Psalm 42, because um, there's a bunch of names of God in the psalm. But I don't know what my favorite one is. That's so hard. Is that like, is that heresy to like pick a favorite no, name of God? No. I don't think so. I just think that's the coolest. I just think that's the coolest story surrounding one, the name of God. One of my favorites, and I say one of because there okay. are a lot that I okay, really yeah, like. I have a lot. That's, it's sure, just, I can't, sure. yeah, sure, Meredith. You just like one, you hate all the other ones. <laughs> I hate I like, God. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Jehovah Jireh. Yes. Because it literally implies that 
we would just be dead without God because that he gives us. That one means God is my provider. Yeah. For those who don't speak Hebrew. Because he just gives us everything that we have and it need. It first appears yeah. in like we're, Genesis 22. So dependent on him. Which is kind of wild because that story is about Abraham oh, sacrificing no. Literally Isaac. sacrificing Oh, no. Also, in Genesis 22, it's the first time the word love is used. And just worship. putting that out there. It's go read Genesis 22. It's good. Also, Isaac would have been 33 years old, but that's a whole different. <laughs> he was. I thought he was a full, teenager. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Come ask me about it. I'll I'll let you know. He's a full um, man. 33 oh years old. Oh my gosh! Whoa, wait, I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same mountain. Also, also. We'll talk about it. Jesus was 33 wait, years old. Wait, your Mariah is where Jerusalem was found. Oh okay. my gosh, you guys. Um, Mariah Carey. <laughs> stay on target. Stay on okay, target. stay on target. Yes, Mar- Mariah's house in Palm. Whoa. Okay, all right. Back to it. Um, oh, Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, God who provides. I think mine, one also, of my favorites. I really like the name for Jesus, and I couldn't remember where it was. Can you just, no. Acts 3, author of life. Pretty baller. That's pretty baller. My, one of my favorites is uh, Jehovah Rapha, God is my healer. Um, it's just it's just solid. And Why, Jay? Tell us. I don't know. It's just like this season of my life I'm in. It's like, oh, like that's that applies to me, even though I don't like always feel like I need healing. Yeah. It's like that's for everyone, and I think that's that's a cool thought. I think it's cool to think about, um, even if you're not having like some this sidebar. Sorry about it. Um, even if you don't have some like super bad sickness of like cancer or a really really difficult like mental health thing, um, the Lord, um, I don't know. I think He heals even like the smallest of like healing your heart over yeah. like small things that you don't want to. Your pride doesn't want to admit that like we all need he- healing. Um, yeah, and I today in chapel, um, our speaker was like, "Hey, deal with your ish now because." You're going to have to deal with it later if you don't. And it's small things that you don't want to think about, but the Lord has to heal you every mm. day. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Pick the favorite. Pick. Emmanuel. Definitely. Uh, whatever, dude. It's just a good one. It's just all it's around solid. solid name. Solid God name. with us. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty solid. Yeah, it is. Okay, thank you for indulging me. I, um, I also think it's really interesting because if you think of – I mean, sure, names have meanings behind them. Um like Jay, what is what does James mean? Uh, it's the derivative of Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver, depending on which context. Okay, nice. Um, that's awkward. Yeah. Um, supplanter. I like supplanter. It's not as bad of a. Luke means bearer of light. Right? Bearer of light, which I think is pretty. Cool. So does Lucifer. So does Lucifer. But whatever. <laughs> we, we'll just gloss over that. I think <clears throat> it's really cool how telling the names of God are about His personality, mm. um, and like who he is is revealed through the names he gives us and look look at the bible people didn't just be like didn't just be like didn't just be when they had children they didn't just say i really like this name i'm gonna give it to them they gave them something either about them that showed their character or to prophesy a character over them so jacob came out grabbing the heel of esau so they called him jacob and then when God renamed him Israel, which means to wrestle with God, right? Yeah. A wrestler or something like that. 
Um, no one exactly knows exactly what it means, but. Well, then I feel a little bit better for not being completely it's okay. right. Yeah, you're um, I think throughout the Bible, you see this theme of people's names are who they are. Yeah. Um, they're given names based on who they are. God will change. God changed Jacob to Israel, Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul, um, because it's a whole thing of, yeah, your identity has changed. But the name revealed your identity in the same way God's names reveal his. And now we just pick out names because we think it sounds nice. Then we have the white stone in Revelation, which oh, is, no. I mean, this is another, we're getting farther into a sidebar. I'm sorry, we're digging ourselves in a hole here. But it's good, though. The the idea of the white stone is that, like, God and the new earth gives us a, a stone with our, our name on it, our new name and the new earth. Um, which is wild to think about. So crazy. I have a book you need to read about it. Um, okay. But there's, it's only between you and God. It's just the relationship between you and God. It's something that only you two know. Um, I don't know what that means entirely, but it's really cool to think about when you think about how God renames these biblical characters. Me when I read the entire book of Revelation. <laughs> what does okay, it mean? Okay, so God is author and king and ruler. Yeah, yeah. So I think with that, um, with the Bible makes it explicitly clear that God has complete and total authority. Um, but oddly enough, in Genesis 1, God says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. In the image of God, he created them. Um, so... Ian, why don't you break down what the image of God would mean in an ancient Near Eastern context? Go ahead. Wow. Idols. Huh? Well, I mean, the the way that I heard that explained to me in an ancient Near Eastern context was that they had, like, idols for their individual gods. Is this what you're, where you're going with this? S- sort of. Um, <clears throat> so basically, like, if you wanted to worship Baal, you would build a statue to Baal, or Ashtaroth, you would build a, I think that's how you say her name. You would build a statue or, like, a tree or a pole to her, and that was the image of the god. So that statue or pole or pillar held like the authority of the god and you would Mm. pray to it um whereas in the genesis narrative we're told that we ourselves are the image of god and that's why we're told not to make images of god because we ourselves are the image of god i that yes and we can talk about that too i'm thinking of more how in the ancient near eastern context the kings were referred to as the image of God. Oh, yeah, that too. Yes, yeah. this. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Meredith. Hey, hey, Lucas. So in that context, when God, when God is saying, let's make them in our image, he is saying what you said, Ian, but also, like, he's delegating authority to <clears throat> mankind. I mean, he shows that when he tells Adam, you name the animals. Oh, yeah. yes. He's like, Adam... I'm, I am giving you, I've made you, you're under my authority. Now I'm giving you authority over them. Um, yeah. So what does that look like now? Like God gives us authority still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a personal um, soapbox that I uh, am really on because freaking. Please get on have this soapbox. concept of like the new earth and like the garden of Eden and heaven. That's like, we just kind of sit around and do nothing and we're, and we like bore ourselves for eternity. But mm. the concept of Eden is like work, but work that directly brings a reward and work that is under God's authority as well as your authority. And there's no futility. So, yeah, there's no futility. So it's like God wants to share his authority with humans. Like God eternally, the reason he built humans, made humans, 
Well, so that he could love them, they would worship him, and that he could share his authority over the earth with them. And so, like, which is wild to think about. Psalm eight is a whole meditation on that. Yeah. Like, why, why give humans? Make, why make them the image? It's one like, of my favorite why? Psalms. It's a, it's baller. Um, but I think, what do y'all think? What Luke? What me and Luke, Ian have been geeking out about Hebrew for a while. So, what do you think about God delegating authority to? <coughs> I think he shows that he trusts us, first of all, and then further down the line in the narrative of the Bible, I think it shows that he trusts us specifically with spreading the gospel. Mm. Um, and that that is that is the ultimate authority that we're delegated. That's a really good thought. I just A lot of connections just happened in my mind. Uh, <laughs> so would you, would you keep going? Yeah. I, I, now he's <laughs> so much pressure. I, I just think, like, he literally puts the the fate of humanity he just kind of dumps it into our hands like to spread that around i mean he equips us to do it he equips us to do it for sure with certain things that we might talk about in a few minutes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah but if you how often do we just slide by that the fact that the same resurrection power that took jesus out of that grave out of the borrowed tomb um is what I thought you were trying to say the word burrowed. The burrowed tomb. Burrowed. Tomb. No, um, the same resurrection power exists in us through the Holy Spirit. We've been given the power to go share the gospel, but also, why don't we approach life differently, knowing that we have this authority given to us by Christ? We can walk around literally knowing that we have this inhuman amount of power within us that God has given us and we don't. And we don't we don't. We 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 don't. And it's nothing because of us. It's all Christ through us. Yeah. Non-believers, so sorry. This doesn't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get on the train. Get with it. You're welcome. You There's can some join us. <clears throat> sorry, get on the bus. We would No 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 get off the bus. What? What are you talking about? Please just keep We talking. would love we would love for you to delve into this too um but we you in christ when you're in christ and christ is in you there is there is so much power and we don't i think not not tapping into that authority not recognizing and not using what christ has so freely given us is dishonoring the trust that he's placed on us to do his work yeah right the connection that happened in my mind when you said that, somehow I've never connected these ideas in my mind. <coughs> What's the first command that God gives humans? Go and be fruitful. Yeah. And it's this, it's a connection between that and... Um, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Like, there's a very clear correlation between yeah. those two ideas of, like, mm. go plant the seeds of the gospel. He Jesus specifically compares the gospel to a seed where he says... It's the same sort of language. Yeah, it's the same sort of language where mm. it's like the gospel is, is like... A tree and like a, a seed that is to be a planted seed. or a vine and yeah. like between so that and the agricultural <laughs> analogies Honestly, we love them can we just be an agrarian society that's a whole nother soapbox that i will get on <laughs> <laughs> that's such a topic <laughs> okay so the authority that god has given us we need to kind of pop back on this one the authority god has given us how does that mean yes it's in order to spread the gospel but how is that manifested in us well, I think 
one thing that I've been thinking about personally. Um, wants to know if it's time yet. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I've, this will lead in. Uh, in Mark 16, 17 through 18, so there's just background. There's some discrepancy about when Mark actually ends, but I mean, oh, well, I don't think that the last chapter of Mark is uh, inspired. But we can Anywho, talk about that. It's whatever. not. It's not heretical. There's nothing in it that's not. Yeah. Gospel. Okay. Anyway, this is so nerve wracking. So <laughs> me and Lucas are just way out of our. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. The quality of being heard. What can I say? Um, and. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Then, this is not chronological at all, but... Wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting there. Let okay. me speak. I told you this earlier. I know. I was about to say it and steal your thunder. No. Isaiah 11:8. along with that, the infant will play near the cobra's den, and the mm-hmm. young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Um, and that's in the context of, like, the, the wolf lie with the lamb and, like, all that jazz, uh, which is incredible. And this is talking about the new creation. And so I think the way it plays out, I think that there's a thematic bridge being made in Matthew 16 and in Isaiah 11, where in Genesis 3 it talks about the seed of the woman crushing the head of the snake and being bitten by them. And then by crushing the head of a snake, I don't know if y'all have ever done it before, it, it kills the snake. And Ooh, so, really? yeah, it's incredible. Wow. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> but the implications of what Isaiah 11, 8 is saying, one, is that the young child will play in the cupboard's den in the viper's nest, not play with the snake. It's talking about the, the snake is gone. The snake is, the snake is out of there. Like, at, and it's not, it doesn't say the cobra or the viper. It says the nest of it, the den of it. Hmm. And then in Matthew... Um, sixteen seventeen. It says they will hold serpents with their hands, which that's a whole different thing. But I think that's just metaphorical and drink deadly poison. And so it's talking about making a thematic bridge of the serpent, this huge theme in the Bible. We have authority over the serpent now, mm. and we have. And so I think when God has delegated us this authority, and by the Holy Spirit, we we've been renewed, and we're um, continuing to be sanctified to be more like Christ. Um, part of that is we have authority over the snake. Yeah, and numbers twenty one nine as my with the snake raised up. Yeah, the bronze, yeah. the bronze serpent. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about so we were talking about this the other day in RUF, I think, and um, <laughs> and the idea of like the. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. So the, the seed of the woman has authority over the serpent. Hmm. But also, the seed of the woman is the serpent in another way because of that Numbers 21 passage of, like, not not in the way that Genesis yeah, is yeah. talking about it. In a different way, the, the, yeah. the story of the bronze serpent being raised up and then everyone everyone has to, like, look at the serpent because they're, they're cursed, the Israelites are cursed, and they have a bunch of serpents crawling through their town. And every time someone gets bit by one, if you look at the, at the serpent raised up on a staff on a hill, you are saved from the point. It's, it's very much so just Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, straight up Christ. <laughs> and so just the idea, I don't we really understand the connection yet of like how Jesus is the serpent, but he also crushes the serpent's head. Like he's the serpent in that instance for sure. Well, I think well, I think it speaks to the fact that he's fully God, fully man. Well, when Moses lifted up the serpent, everyone who looked at it and believed was saved, right? right. 
Um, and John three fourteen. Oh no. Or I'll start in thirteen. Um, actually, I'm gonna start in twelve. <laughs> Nicodemus <laughs> better. Okay, Nicodemus is talking, and he his... says, "How can these things be?" And Jesus answered him. Big boy pants. Basically, he's like, "I'm." He's like, who are you to ask? Jesus answered him, are you teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you not believe, how can I be- you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Right. And I think it is odd. I think that it's, a serpent being lifted up? Yeah. I, I think what's happening there is there's kind of this, like, dual seed of Eve, if you will. So there's, like, the the blessed and the cursed. So, like, the firstborn, the secondborn, all the different things. Mm. And in a way, the humanity is taken over by the snake and becomes mm. the snake in a way. I wonder as well that the serpent is a, is a symbol of wisdom. <coughs> In a lot of ancient cultures, yeah. Um, so I wonder if hmm. Moses is tapping into that with the serpent. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the Bible is just—it's definitely talking about serpent, just straight up. It's almost, yeah. yeah. It seems like it would be in that context it would be a little sh- stretched. I don't know. Anywho, anywho, God, authority that God has given us, right? Because yes. well, it is even odd in the context of that specific story with when Moses lifts up the serpent on the staff, the thing that's putting them in danger is serpents. Yeah. And I mean, that translates directly to the larger scale that we're talking about it on, but it's even kind of weird to think about in that sense. Right. Yeah. But um, I think with authority that God's given us, I think God gives us tools in order to do that. Um, And there's like I think a lot of times, especially prayer, and this is a soapbox I'm going to get on for a moment, um, but with prayer, I think people have a tendency um, to sort of like think that pr- subconsciously, I think people think that prayer doesn't really work, if that makes sense. And um, so I think one soapbox I'm going to get on is about prayer um, because we have a whole episode about prayer. Oh, yeah, we could. We could. Um, and, and, and we will. We will. Maybe. I'd, whatever. Um, but with prayer, a lot of times we have this view of prayer as like it doesn't, it's not really effective. And I don't think we would say that necessarily, but the way that we pray um, is not on the cosmic scale that prayer actually is. Like, Prayer is something that w- has the ability through God to reshape reality. Reality. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that we as Christians oftentimes don't. I, I know personally, I'm, I've been convicted lately about how I don't pray like I should. Mm-hmm. And um, thinking of prayer as like it, it's where the Creator, King of God, and Shepherd and Father meet. Um, yeah. So our Shepherd and our Father wants to meet with us in an intimate secret place but also he he's the creator and king of the universe and that hasn't changed since Genesis 1 that's still a reality yeah and so when we're praying to God like we, we have this you know God's authority he's given us authority and we can 
because he's our father, we can walk into the throne room reverently and talk to him, which is wild. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day in your car. Um, and a way you put it was like a lot of Christians pray, yes, and they pray diligently, yes, but they pray timidly. Mm. And they don't pray with the power and authority that God gives us, and they don't pray with the expectancy of, God, this is a bad thing. Change this. Yeah, like God. We, we A lot of times we fall into saying, hey, uh, hey God, um, um, if you want to do that, if, if, this, if it's your will, that'd be really nice. Yeah, but if not, that's fine, I guess. And there's a place for that, you know, like, but it's also like God gives us this authority. We have prayer works. If you just kind of flip through the Psalms, you can literally, you probably could just pick a random Psalm. And honestly, like, there's like a nine out of ten chance that at some point in the Psalm, it's going to be like, God, what's up? Do this thing. (laughs) God, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we don't do that. That's just not. Yeah. What do you think, (laughs) Barrett? Just go for it. Just say it. Okay. Um, yes, I think prayer is definitely a tool that the Lord gives us authority in. But um, as Lucas was saying earlier, when the ultimate goal, like he's given us the authority and the the purpose of spreading the gospel and um, edifying other believers, I think he gives us specific tools to do that through the spiritual gifts mapped out in Romans 12, which I'm going to read really, really quick. Um, (laughs) What was that voice? (laughs) Really, really quick. Um, Obviously, the spiritual gifts are in and of themselves an entire warehouse to unpack. Um, But not literally. They're not in a warehouse. They're not in a warehouse. They're in the Bible. You can't go pick them out. So Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Obviously, there's more spiritual gifts than that, just that. There's not one master list of them in all of the Bible. But I think that um, one of the main ways that we have the authority apart from, not apart from, but as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is not just, oh, yes, we all have the Holy Spirit, but how does that demonstrate itself in the way we go about our lives and in our exhortation and in our um, living out of the faith and sharing of the gospel and I think the spiritual gifts um, are the the kind of the tools that wield the power that the Lord has given us. Mm. It's the way it manifests itself mm-hmm. within us, and, and partially. I don't think it's a complete manifestation Absolutely. of no, our authority. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's other things such as prayer. And, yeah, for sure. Um, healing and those things. Speak, oh guest. Um, I don't. I was just thinking. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Um. And just the spiritual gifts are spooky to me, if I'm being honest. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of them, like, teaching I can get behind easily. Preaching I can get behind. Shepherding. Like, no problem. Like, I see those and I understand them. But for me, is like a pretty, how do I say this? Like, empirical person, I think I would say. 
I have personally struggled to understand how like healing and like mm. speaking in tongues and prophecy I agree and stuff with you. like that. Yes. Prophecy, I, discernment, uh, uh, those things. Yeah. It's been hard because, and I think part of that is just the, you know, the kind of church I grew up in. Mm, yeah, it didn't same. look down on those things, but it was like, eh, we're not so sure. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, same. Yeah. But I think we won't talk about tongues right now or like that there's just too much back yeah, with that but i think with a really cool story about that yeah but with you told me that story it's yeah wild. with it spiritual is, gifts it's very cool you're really please, missing out please please come ask me about it it's the wildest thing yeah but with spiritual gifts they are tools to for the holy spirit like they're manifest like you said they're manifestations of the holy mm-hmm. spirit along with the fruits of the, the fruit of the spirit and um I think for me that comes as a comfort of it's not just, hey, you've been given this power, go for it. But um, Paul maps out ways of how to use that power and how to – I think it – for me it's a comfort as a Christian that it's not just, okay, I have all this authority and I have all this power that the Lord has given me, but who am I to use it my sinful, broken nature? Mm -hmm. But I think with the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, um, it kind of almost gives you a guide or a, hey, these are – Maybe not all of the ways, but mm-hmm. this is just oh, how to use it, like, how to guess channel what, it. Guess what you can do. Yeah, guess what you can do. So you have this power, but you're not just left with it. We're going we're gonna to show you and teach you and equip you um, to use the power and the authority that Christ is giving yeah, you. Yeah, under the authority of Christ, under too. Him. I think that's another thing is, like, Christ is the ultimate th- authority, and, like, just because you're giving that authority— that doesn't mean you are the authority. We have the authority to give it, and we're trusted with that authority, but we don't have the authority to change it or, you know, like the the word of God in, in regards yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. Like, yes, it's ours to spread, but it's not It's not ours. ours. Yeah. 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 I think there's also misconceptions with the spiritual gifts that I've run into a lot because I go back home to a non-denominational but really it's like a Baptist theologically it's a Baptist church Yeah. Um, but I I visited a lot of more like charismatic churches in my time Um, and one of the conceptions that I get from a lot of like more charismatic movements not that I disagree with a lot of what they say but there seems to be this concept that like certain people are endowed with like certain gifts and they like this guy is like a healer and he's like, this is what he does is he like heals mm, people. Yeah. And I'm like, that's given to everyone really feels pagan to say like, this is a, a healer, like a local healer. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think the way that the Bible talks about gifts, it's like we, it's not just like you have one gift forever. You yeah. know, it's like, it's something that's given as the spirit wills. Right. Paul even it. says in first um, Corinthians, I think it is like desire the higher gifts. Took Luke's. I was just about I'm to say so that. Sorry, um, I definitely think that there are times when, like in my own experience, there are times when, um, yeah, I've ex- I've experienced the gift of speaking in tongues, and it's wild and it's crazy. It's happened once, but on the daily, I think I encounter the gift of encouragement more mm-hmm. often or exhortation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that we have access to all of them, but I think some are stronger than others mm-hmm. or more um, just. I don't, know. I don't know. I think as well, a lot of the point of the gifts, I'm not a cessationist, so I don't believe that the gifts are stopped at all. 
But I do think that a lot of the point of a lot of the gifts is to prove the validity of the gospel. So, like, mm-hmm. you can see um, a lot of things are happening in, like, third world countries right now with the gospel being spread that mm-hmm. are, like, I can't explain them. But the re- I think a lot of the reason that we don't see them as much in America is maybe because, like, the church is established here. And I think maybe that'll start happening more as, like, the church starts to decline because it is in decline in America. Um, but And even the church that isn't declining is kind of apathetic. Yeah. But we've already talked about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting topic. It's a lot. A lot to unpack. Yeah. It's kind of a... Uh, and, unfortunately... We are out of time. Yeah. Yeah. Ruminate so, on that. Yeah, so this was... We talked about a lot today. We did. This was so a hefty episode. Think... And two episodes, really. But, yeah. Um, think and pray on all of that. Yeah, and also talk to us, talk with each other. Like, this is the beginning of a conversation, this, not the end-all, be-all. Yeah. Um, so. We hope, like, these two episodes especially spark discussion. Yeah. If, if any two are going to. These, or these any, two definitely will. Yeah. Whatever. So um, thank y'all for listening yeah, to thank, this two-parter. Thank you guys for coming on the thank podcast. Thank you guys for having us and um, for coming woo. back, treating yeah. us with such kindness. Yeah, whatever. Um, so you gonna, <laughs> are you going to give me the check after we stop recording? <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. I'll well, just, you just Venmo me. All um, right. <laughs> um, hold on. I got to think of a really good one. Avocado? Wait, no, we who, just, what was just, the uh, thing that you we were talking about earlier? No clue what Asherah you're talking Pole. about. Asherah. <laughs> Asherah. There it is. Good Asherah one. Pole. Ash- Asherah Pole. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it. That was it. Asherah. Warm up first. Oh, turn off that. I can't slurp this. Hey, dog, you literally can. What are you talking about? Why are you so bad at slurping? Can you you turn off the clip, please? Why are you the way that you are? Okay. Hold up. Oh, don't do that. It's a little bit like coffee. Wow. It just looks like urine now. I really like that noise. Do it closer (coughs) to the mic. That's going to taste disgusting. That's going to look like urine. It's cold and it's wet. It's good. To tell us, die. Please don't. don't. Why do would you do that? Why would you do that? Just stick it on honey. Okay. Honey. Y'all ready? Honey is what bees make. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna basically just. I'm gonna basically just uh, kind of give a. I'm gonna give the disclaimer again. Okay. Kind of walk through. Are we slurping? Spoiler alert! They were only gone for two minutes. <laughs> that was funny. What? All right. One. No two. Way.